the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing Dave King Engineering. Today I'm looking forward to a conversation in our second hour with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. She's an author. Her latest book, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. She's also the founder of the ABBA Project. She's the host of a radio podcast, The Dad Whisperer, on equipping dads uh, to engage in the uh, battle for their daughter's hearts. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. But first, we'll take a look at some of the day's headlines. While top lawmakers appear to be near a deal over the weekend to end a weeks-long standoff threatening to scuttle hundreds of bills remaining in Oregon's legislative session. While stressing that any agreement would still need to be approved by the rank-and-file lawmakers, which is not a sure thing, three people briefed on the matter said a framework hammered out over the course of a 10-hour negotiation included major concessions by Democrats on bills creating new abortion protections and gun restrictions. The sources declined to speak on the record, citing ongoing discussions. Well, the agreement would amount to a notable turnaround for the majority party. Top Democrats have said repeatedly they would not negotiate those priorities in the face of a Republican walkout. Well, if it moves forward, the deal would be a win for, in one respect, rather, for Senate um, Republican leader Tim Knope and his colleagues who would have succeeded in watering down the policies they most oppose in exchange for allowing other bills to pass unfettered. Victory might come at a painful cost, however. Ten senators, nine Republicans, and one independent who have refused to attend floor sessions for nearly six weeks could be unable to run for re-election under a ballot measure passed by voters last year if it passes uh, legal muster. In exchange for GOP lawmakers returning to the Senate and foregoing delaying tactics, Democrats are considering scaling back House Bill 2002, a proposal that expands protections for abortion and transgender care. Of course, abortion and care, these two words do not belong together. I'm quoting. A Manhattan grand jury has indicted Daniel Penny, the 24-year-old Marine Corps veteran who held Jordan Neely in a chokehold on the New York City subway last month. Neely died while held by Penny and others. Prosecutors charged Penny with second-degree manslaughter in connection with the incident. The grand jury, impaneled by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, had to indict Penny before he could be tried on the manslaughter charge. However, it's unclear what charges he was indicted on. That will be revealed at his arraignment, according to the New York Post. Neely, who had a history of mental illness, was throwing garbage on the F train on May 1st and yelling that he wanted to die or go to jail because he was tired of having no food when Penny placed him in a chokehold. He also threatened the lives of every member in that car, saying that he was willing to kill them, prepared to do so, and willing to die. Uh, As a result, Penny said in a video released by his lawyers earlier this week that he just couldn't sit still as Neely threatened to kill people on the train and that he restrained Neely to prevent him from being able to carry out those threats. 
The Federal Reserve on Wednesday decided against what would be what would have been the 11th consecutive interest rate increase as it measures what the impacts have been from the previous 10. But the decision by the Fed to open market committee to hold off on the hike at this two day meeting came with the projection that another two quarter percentage point moves are on the way before the end of the year. We have raised our policy interest rate by five percent points. And we've continued to reduce our security holdings at a brisk pace. We've covered a lot of ground and the full effects of our tightening have yet to be felt. That's a quote from Fed Chair Jerome Powell at a news conference following the central bank's decision. Senator Chuck Grassley on Monday said that the Burisma executive who allegedly paid Joe Biden and Hunter Biden kept 17 audio recordings rather of his conversation with them as an insurance policy citing the fbi fd 1023 form that the bureau briefed congressional lawmakers on grassley the republican from iowa revealed from the senate floor monday that um, what was said to be redacted referenced uh, in the fbi generated fd 1023 form alleging a criminal bribery scheme between the then Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national that involved influence over U.S. policy decisions. The use of generative artificial intelligence tools has become all the rage for companies and consumers alike as early adopters hail their capabilities for saving time and assisting with tax tasks. Uh, but don't hand your, your search engine optimization over to a uh, Chat GPT just yet, Frank Sanchez, managing partner at Elk Marketing Digital Marketing Agency, warns that the rules of the game appear to be changing and that jumping on the AI bandwagon for search engine optimization or SEO strategies could be a mistake for some companies. I think this is happening so fast that even Google is kind of on the back foot right now, Sanchez uh, told Fox Business, noting that the narrative has changed multiple times since Chat GPT came out as the as to whether the search engine Titan could or would penalize users for AI-generated content. It very much uh, seems to be in limbo, he went on to say. He co-founded Elk in 2016, says the companies that already have a solid SEQ or SEO strategy that is working well should tread carefully because they have the most to lose if the rules of the game change and companies are punished for AI-generated content. And it could happen. Members of the House Armed Services Committee are demanding several updates from the Pentagon on whether it is effectively using artificial intelligence to defend against growing threats from China and other adversaries. The committee on Monday released its annual proposal for the defense policy bill known as the National Defense Authorization Act, which will be considered by various subcommittees starting well, yesterday, the section of the bill that deals with cyber and information technology was accompanied by several demands to update or rather four updates on the Defense Department's efforts to incorporate AI into its national security posture. One of the demands relates directly to China, which the committee said has an increasing presence in disputed waters around the world that threatens U.S. national security. Speaker Kevin McCarthy appears to have reached an agreement with conservatives about easing their blockade of the house on the House floor. We'll tell you more about that when we return, but do need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. 
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, a conversation with Dr. Michelle Watson-Canfield, author of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, as we anticipate Father's Day. Hey, the KPDQ Pastors Masters is back for 2023. We invite area pastors and ministry leaders to join us for a day of golf and fellowship at the KPDQ Pastors Masters Golf Tournament presented by Adventist Health Portland. Monday, July 17th at the beautiful Langdon Farms Golf Club in Aurora, just south of Wilsonville. The 18-hole golf scramble starts at 8 a.m., is followed by a delicious buffet lunch. The cost to attend? just $25. And the first 50 pastors to register will also receive a Pastors Masters ball cap. You can register today at kpdq.com. Space is limited. Speaker Kevin McCarthy appears to have reached an agreement with conservatives about easing their blockade on the House floor that sent lawmakers home early last week. A couple of uh, a group rather of 11 conservatives furious with how McCarthy handled the debt limit negotiations with President Biden upended a normally sleepy procedural vote on Tuesday last and voted Republican bills um, and blocked rather Republican bills aimed at protecting gas stoves. It was the first time in two decades that a majority party watched its own members vote with the minority party to defeat a bill at that procedural stage. They also accused GOP leadership of threatening Representative Andrew Clyde by blocking his pro-Second Amendment legislation from the House floor because of his earlier efforts to take down the debt limit bill. Well, that bill aimed at rolling back a Biden administration provision on pistol braces is scheduled for a vote, but it appears relations have thawed since last week after House lawmakers left for an early recess on Wednesday. Representative Ralph Norman told reporters on Monday evening that he believes the chamber will move forward on a combined procedural vote paving the way for the gas stove bill as well as Clyde's resolution. Well, nearly half of Americans support the second indictment of former President Donald Trump relating to his alleged mishandling of classified documents after leaving office. Many also believe it was politically motivated. On Thursday, Trump announced he was indicted by special counsel Jack Smith on 37 federal counts relating to the unlawful retention of classified documents, describing the investigation as the greatest witch hunt of all time in true a Trump forum. A recent ABC Ipsos poll conducted after the shocking indictment found that 48 percent of Americans think Trump was rightfully charged in the classified documents case, while 35 percent do not think he uh, should have been indicted. About 17 percent reported feeling unsure about whether the former president should have been indicted, indicted the second time. Among political parties, 86 percent of Democrats and 45 percent of independents said they support the indictment, while the majority of Republicans at 67 percent disagree agreed with the charges against the former president. Tennessee Republican Representative Andy Oglis introduced articles of impeachment on Monday against President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. The articles accuse Biden of having weaponized the presidency, both in his tenure as president and vice president, to shield the business and influence peddling schemes of his family from congressional oversight and public accountability. Additionally, the articles accuse uh, the president of acting in a manner contrary to the public trust and subversive of constitutional government, to the great prejudice of the cause of law and justice, and to the manifest injury of the people of the United States with his handling of the southern border crisis. Ogles' effort will likely face an uphill climb in the House, where a small majority of Republicans have pushed for Biden's impeachment. NBA Hall of Famer Charles Barkley poked fun at CNN ahead of his upcoming show, 
on the uh, network with Gail King while appearing on NHL on TNT. Keep all those straight. Pre-game show Saturday, Barkley briefly spoke about preparing the to host the talk show on CNN as it faces ongoing turmoil. According to the basketball great, several people describe the situation to him as akin to jumping on the Titanic. Apparently, with his um, with this new talk show, I'm jumping on the Titanic. Uh, Barkley, also a TNT sports analyst, said everybody keeps saying abort, abort, abort. Well, despite the uh, slight jab, he remained optimistic about the project, which is set to premiere later this year. A Wall Street Journal columnist and mother suggests that parents should not allow their children to have uh, social media until they're at least 16 years old. Yes, social media can be a virtual source of connection for young people, but until some big study proves otherwise, the bad seems to outweigh the good for younger teens. Wall Street Journal columnist Julie Jargon wrote, The same science that tells us kids under 16 shouldn't operate motor vehicles also suggests they should probably stay off TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat, Jargon said, citing scientific research that shows the brain's prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until around age 25. But by 16, Massachusetts General Hospital psychiatrist Carl Marcy told Jargon, the prefrontal cortex begins to catch up. Jargon also argued that just being 16 shouldn't mean complete freedom from parental guidance when using social media either. Being 16 doesn't mean going fully free range on social media. After all, we don't put them on the road without driver's ed and licenses. She suggested that parents have ongoing conversations with their children about the content they see and limit kids' social media during certain hours so it doesn't interfere with their sleep and physical activity. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, a Biden appointee, has also said that 13 is too young and risky an age for parents to allow their children to use social media. Early adolescence is an especially risky time during a vulnerable stage of brain development, Murthy told the Wall Street Journal. Kids are much more susceptible to peer pressure, opinions and comparison. In Congress, Senator Josh Hawley, a Republican from Missouri, has pushed to raise the minimum age for social media use to 16. Hawley's bill, the Making Age Verification Technology Uniform Robust and Effective Act or Mature Act, would place a minimum age requirement of 16 years old for all social media users, preventing platforms from offering accounts to those who do not meet the age threshold. Deaths, missing women. It's raised a red flag in Portland. Whether or not Portland and its surrounding communities have a serial killer, the sheer number of missing persons cases in the area should be cause for concern, according to a veteran cold case investigator. Police, in a statement last week, downplayed concerns of a serial killer after the bodies of six women were discovered in and around the city of Portland in a five-month span. Roughly half of the 140 people missing from Multnomah County in Oregon so far this year, which includes the city of Portland, are women and girls, according to the state's online database. There are currently 401 active missing persons cases statewide. Joseph G. Uh, G. Uh, mm, Giacalone, or something very like that, a retired NYPD sergeant and now an adjunct professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, said the sheer numbers should be considered a public safety concern, even if no foul play is suspected. Well, now you know. A helicopter mishap in Syria over the weekend left 22 service members injured. 
The U.S. military announced Monday evening. U.S. Central Command said in a press release that said the service members suffered various degrees of injuries during an incident on Sunday in northeastern Syria. Central Command said the injured service members are receiving treatment for their injuries and 10 have been evacuated to higher care facilities outside the CENTCOM AOR. No enemy fire was reported, according to the press release. The incident is under investigation. The U.S. military has kept a force of at least 900 troops in Syria, the U.S. government said. The group includes an undisclosed number of contractors. These U.S. forces continue to operate in non-combative roles, advising and assisting the Kurdish-led Syrian Democratic Forces in the fight against remaining Islamic State group blocs. Well, President Trump or former President Trump ripped into Biden and Clinton and heinous abuse of power after the federal indictment. The former president cast his um, sham federal indictment as election interference by the Biden administration, slamming it as the most heinous abuse of power in the history of the country. Trump, the current 2024 frontrunner, pled not guilty in federal court in Miami on Tuesday to 37 federal felony counts stemming from special prosecutor. Uh, Jack Smith's investigation into the alleged improper retention of classified records at Mar-a-Lago. Russian President Vladimir Putin admitted Tuesday that Russia is lacking in drones and other equipment in its war against Ukraine. Putin made the remarks during a meeting with war correspondents. The despotic leader told state media that things were missing in Russia's special military operation, as he referred to it. These are high precision ammunition, communications equipment, aircraft, drones and so on. Putin said we have them. Unfortunately, we lack them quantitatively. Putin said production for these weapons has more than doubled over the past year and by 10 times for the most demanded areas. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a break. A reminder in the second hour, a conversation with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, author of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you. All you have to do is cooperate with me and I won't expose you. Well, that's what one Nigerian man posing as a woman on Instagram wrote in March of 2022 and a message to a 17-year-old Jordan DeMay before the Michigan teen took his own life. My son was smart. He was a good student. He was a great athlete. John DeMay, Jordan's father, said, speaking to Fox News Digital, someone came to his bedroom at three in the morning and murdered him through Instagram when we were all sleeping at night. And we had zero chance to stop it, end quote. Well, the suspect in Jordan's death, 22-year-old Samuel Ogashi, is one of three suspects from Lagos arrested earlier this month for allegedly hacking Instagram accounts and sexually exporting or sextorting more than 100 young men online. The FBI defines sextortation as a serious crime in which perpetrators threaten to expose a victim's sensitive or private information in exchange for sexually explicit material or money. In Jordan's case, the teenager began chatting with someone he thought was a woman on Instagram under the username Danny Roberts. The um, account was real, but had been hacked and sold to Ogashi, who used the profile to coerce young men into sending explicit photo, photos rather of themselves. He allegedly used the photos to leverage for money, according to the FBI. Ogashi demanded $1,000. Jordan actually sent him 300 and Ogashi threatened to expose the teenager's photos to his family and friends if he did not send more money. Hours later, Jordan told Ogashi that he was going to kill himself. 
Federal authorities charged Ogashi with causing DeMay's death as he encouraged him to do so. The 17-year-old football player's tragic fate is not uncommon in America and across the world. Teens across the U.S. are falling victim to sextortion on social media. A 2018 study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Pediatrics, found that nearly 15 percent of U.S. youth were sending sexts or sexual texts, while 27 percent of youth were receiving them. The perpetrators pose as real people, often as attractive women or men online, and target young and vulnerable victims. They will reach out directly to victims and strike up an online conversation, gain the victim's trust one way or another, and convince them to send explicit photos. Once the photos are exchanged, the perpetrators threaten to share them or make them public if the victims do not send money, other personnel, information, and so on. The scheme pushes some teens beyond the breaking point, hence the suicide of this young man. And a cons- and uh, surprisingly, more young men than girls are being exploited in this way. The Senate is urged um, to punish U.S. companies that help China build its AI-driven surveillance state, U.S. companies that give China artificial intelligence-driven technology to violate the human rights of its citizens need to be punished by Congress uh, with prison terms for U.S. executives, a witness told senators in a hearing on Tuesday. Jeffrey Kane, senior fellow at the Foundation for American Innovation, warned at a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee hearing that AI is helping to power China's growing surveillance state and said U.S. companies have contributed to this human rights problem. China built its AI surveillance apparatus with the connivance and complacency of major American technology firms, came said in his prepared remarks. The science corporation Thermo Fisher, for example, was caught selling DNA collection equipment directly to uh, Xinjiang police authorities who use them for mass gathering of genetic data on the minority Uyghur population. Since the late 90s, Microsoft has established itself as the training ground for China's AI elites through its Beijing-based laboratory, Microsoft Research Asia, he added. The laboratory has trained many of the AI leaders and developers who went on to found or join the executive leadership of rights-abusing firms such as uh, Since Time, Megville, or I fly tech. Kane's group, the Foundation for American Innovation, said it was founded to ensure technology is aligned to serve human ends, promoting individual freedom, supporting strong institutions, advancing national security and unleashing economic prosperity. But he said China has so far used AI to inflict human rights abuses on religious minorities in China. The Chinese Communist Party has engineered a vast AI powered surveillance system literally called Skynet. It runs AI-powered alarms that notify the police and intelligence services when someone unfurls a banner, when a foreign journalist is traveling to certain parts of the country, and when someone from an ethnic minority is present. The government accuses entire groups, such as the Muslim Uyghurs, of posing a terrorist threat and relentlessly persecutes them with the use of AI tools. Kane said that while tech leaders, including Sam Altman of OpenAI, have urged closer cooperation with China, Chinese officials have shown there's no reason to work with China at all. Senator Ted Cruz slammed the FBI for refusing to answer questions regarding their possession of evidence relating to an alleged multi-million dollar bribery scheme involving President Joe Biden. 
It was recently learned that in 2020, the FBI was reportedly informed that then Vice President Biden was allegedly paid five million dollars by an executive of the Ukrainian national national gas firm Burisma Holdings, where his son Hunter Biden sat on the board. During the Senate Judiciary hearing on Tuesday, Cruz pressed FBI Deputy Director Paul Abbott, or actually it's Abate, on whether the Bureau is currently in possession of the report on the Biden family bribery allegations, if they investigated the allegations, and whether they would provide the Senate with the requested recordings. Apparently there are recordings and documents to verify their credibility. But Abate refused to comment. Cruz slammed the director for avoiding the question, accusing the FBI of stonewalling and covering up serious allegations of evidence of corruption from the president. The FBI is reportedly in possession of an FD-1023 form. The FBI's interview with a highly credible confidential source on the alleged meetings with a top Burisma executive, according to sources familiar with the document. There are also reportedly 17 voice recordings between the Burisma informant and Joe and Hunter Biden. Republican politicians across the country reacted with outrage Tuesday as former President Donald Trump was arraigned and pled not guilty to 37 federal felony charges in a classified records case. The GOP representative Elise Tefanik, he called the arraignment a dark day for our country as Joe Biden continues to fully weaponize the federal government against President Trump, his leading opponent for the White House in 2024. America was founded on the principle of equal justice under the law, the New York Republican continued. The American people see the glaring double standard, one set of rules if your last name is Biden or Clinton, and another set of rules for everyone else. It's never been more important that we unite behind President Trump, he said, his historic campaign to win the White House, to restore the rule of law, and save our republic, end quote. Make no mistake, at today's arraignment, you are watching a sitting president use the Department of Justice to put his top political rival in jail. Stefanik's Republican colleague said from South Carolina, Representative Nancy Mace, in a statement, both sides of the aisle should be able to set aside their emotions and see how dangerous a precedent this has set. Mace's fellow South Carolinian Republican Governor Harry McMaster also posted a statement calling Tuesday a troubling day and said Trump's opposition has gone too far. Trump pleaded not guilty to the 37 federal charges stemming from special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into his alleged improper retention of classified records at Mar-a-Lago in federal court in Miami on Tuesday. A radical bill being hotly debated in the Golden State threatens to label parents as child abusers if they decline to affirm their son or daughter's sexual confusion. AB 957, which was allegedly or rather already passed California's state assembly, would require judges uh, who are overseeing custody disputes with transgender children involved in um, uh, involved to favor the mother or father who supports the child's so-called new gender identity. Parents who choose to affirm their son or daughter's biological sex are considered out of bounds and out of luck. At the root of the legislation is a foundational belief that the constructive and compassionate thing to do when it comes to gender confusion is to go along with whatever the child, the immature child, is feeling at the moment. That premise is not only destructive, but also short-sighted. The Washington Post came under fire on Monday for burying critical information when it reported that Target stores have received bomb threats over Pride merchandise. Well, the Post's headlines, uh, Target stores see more bomb threats over Pride merchandise, led many to believe that conservatives who object to the Pride displays sent the threats. However, in the seventh paragraph of the report, the Post noted police said 
Some threats came from people who accused Target of betraying the LGBTQ plus community. The report also noted a threat to Oklahoma City locations that were sent to a local TV station that ended 4-19-1995, the date of the Oklahoma City bombing by anti-government terrorist Timothy McVeigh. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, a conversation with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, author of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. In our second hour, a conversation with Michelle Watson Canfield. Dr. Canfield is the author of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. In light of... Father's Day, it's coming up. Former MSNBC host Keith Olbermann was publicly fact-checked after he mocked a Republican congresswoman for claiming that failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's campaign previously destroyed government devices. Hillary Clinton used a hammer to destroy evidence of a private email server and classified information on that server and was never indicted, the representative said. The same standard should apply to everyone, including Donald Trump. Well, the claim drew a sharp response from Olbermann, who suggested that the congresswoman was not in the proper mental state to understand reality. But Olbermann was subsequently fact-checked on Twitter by Community Notes, which shared three articles from CNN, Business Insider, and Snopes that corroborated Mace's tweet. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre violated a law intended to prevent federal employees from using their offices to influence elections when she repeatedly referred to MAGA Republicans in the run-up to the 2022 midterm elections, a government watchdog agency has reported. An estimated $420 billion in COVID-19-related spending may have been wasted through fraud and corruption, according to a new report. The Justice Department's acting director for COVID-19 fraud enforcement, Mike Galdo, said that the staggering figures represented an unprecedented amount of fraud. Independent analysis conducted by the AP reveals that over $280 billion of COVID-19 relief was stolen through common identity theft scams and fraudulent loan applications, and another $123 billion was wasted through mismanagement and misappropriation. The California Senate passed Bill 553 legislation that would discourage retail store employees from confronting shoplifters. The legislation passed weeks after a Home Depot security guard was shot and killed during a Pleasanton, California robbery and as designed to protect employees, supporters say, by forbidding employees from instructing employees to confront shoplifters, a law that would prohibit employers from telling their employees that customers are not allowed to take whatever they want without paying would clearly incentivize shoplifting. It would further promote the culture Fuller described, one in which it's viewed as optional to pay for things. This is the culture that is driving companies out of California. It's not just crime or high taxes or pandemic mandates. It's a culture that shows disdain for property rights, which are the wellspring of all human rights and a pillar of civilization. A larger majority of Americans now, 69 percent, than uh, 2021 at 62 percent, say transgender athletes should only be allowed to compete on sports teams that conform with their birth gender. Likewise, fewer endorsed transgender athletes being able to play on teams that match their current gender identity at 26 percent, down from 34 percent. The issue has sparked debate at all levels of competitive sports, particularly around transgender women's ability to play on women's teams, sports governing bodies and Schools have adopted a range of policies on the issues, some more inclusive of 
transgender participation than others. Although inflation is moderating, rising prices spurred near record use of credit cards and installment loans in the first quarter of 2023. Credit card balances dipped 1.5 percent quarter over quarter, but remained near record highs at $917 billion. That's an increase of almost 20 percent over the last year. Also, the average balance per customer per consumer grew 14.4 percent year over year to $5,733. At the same time, missed monthly payments are also on the rise. Credit card delinquency increased 2.26% from 1.16% a year ago. For personal loans, the rate rose to nine, uh, rather 3.91% from 3.25%. Pat Sajak, who has hosted the syndicated game show Wheel of Fortune for more than 40 years, announced in a tweet Monday night that he plans to step down next year. Sajak is 76. He took the helm of Wheel of Fortune in 1981 alongside co-host Vanna White. The show is a mainstay of the primetime lineup on local television channels across the country, usually accompanied by the quiz contest Jeopardy. On a taping of Pod Save America while at the Tribeca Film Festival, Uh, Hillary Clinton had something to say. The former Secretary of State burst into full-throated roars of laughter at former President Donald Trump's expense on the eve of his second indictment while basking in um, schadenfreude on Monday night. The former Secretary of State used a private email server while she uh, served as the in the Obama administration, a practice that resulted in a rhetorical wrist slap from the feds, but no formal charges. She also penned the uh, moniker Deplorables. Shopping mall operator Westfield said it uh, plans to give up control of the San Francisco Center Mall after more than 20 years of operation in another sign of San Francisco's economic struggles. The company attributed its decision to the challenging operating conditions in the downtown San Francisco area, which have led to declines in sales, occupancy and foot traffic. Canadian officials say the wildfire last week that sent a massive cloud of smoke into the U.S. and brought record-breaking pollutions rather, to major East Coast cities could continue all summer. This is the first in the history of Quebec to fight so many fires, to evacuate so many people, the province's Minister of Public Security said this past weekend. We're going to have to fight that we uh, uh, think will last all summer. Already this year, nearly 17,800 square miles have reportedly burned in Canada, forcing thousands across the country to evacuate and relocate. Right now, reports show 447 active fires in Canada, with 220 of them considered to be out of control. More fires are expected because of drought conditions and long-range forecasts for warm temperatures. Tucker Carlson is technically still under contract with Fox News after he was suddenly sidelined with still no explanation given and has been sent a ceased and desist letter from the cable news media giant following the airing of his second Twitter show. The first episode of that show drew more than 100 million views. Carlson's legal team, headed by attorney uh, Harmeet Dillon, a regular guest on Carlson's uh, Fox News show, contended that the letter was Fox demanding that Tucker be silent until after the 2024 election. Apparently, Carlson is planning to ignore the letter. His executive producer, who also left Fox, noted that Carlson's next Twitter episode will be posted, well, today. The legal wrangling may end up revealing the uh, real reason behind Fox's decision to cancel Carlson. Planned Parenthood's recently released annual report for last year reveals that the organization's embrace of the transgender agenda is ultimately 
all about money. The country's um, number one abortion provider is actively working to corner the market on providing transgender services for the nation's largest abortion mill. The financial impact of the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade has yet to be fully determined. But given the fact that abortion numbers are down, it's bound to have a negatively impacted Planned Parenthood's bottom line. But it would appear that Planned Parenthood has long anticipated this and has become the leading organization trumpeting what is euphemistically dubbed gender affirming care. America's second largest Protestant denomination has been hemorrhaging congregations in staggering numbers over the last few years since the United Methodist Church General Conference approved a measure in 2019 that allows individual UMC congregations to keep their buildings and church property Should two-thirds of the congregants vote to leave, more than 5,000 churches have left the denomination. But the root cause behind this mass exodus is the UMC's embrace of LGBTQ ideology, despite the fact that the General Conference voted to uphold the church's biblical ban on ordaining homosexuals and officiating same-sex weddings. Uh, Conservative congregations are leaving the UMC in response to the left's advance. Well, coming up in the next hour, a conversation with Michelle Watson Canfield. Dr. Canfield is the author of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. She's also the founder of the ABBA Project. She's the host of the podcast, The Dad Whisperer, on equipping dads to engage in the battle for their daughters' hearts. That's coming up in the next hour. News and traffic up next. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us, especially because we have an opportunity to hear from one of my favorite people on the planet. And I'll introduce her in just a moment. You know, Billy Graham once said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And it is so true. The relationship a daughter has with her dad is one of the most important relationships she'll ever have. Yet many fathers struggle to connect deeply with their daughters as they mature and their lives become more complex. There's been a a need for fresh and effective resources that equip a dad to engage in the battle for their daughter's heart. Well, my next guest produced one. Let's talk conversation starters for dads and daughters is just that book. She combined her decades of experience in coaching fathers and counseling young women. I'm referring to Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. She helps dads close the communication gap with their daughters. Let's Talk shows dads how to listen and build trust with insight and scripted questions that help them to move from fun get-to-know-you chats to deep discussions that dive into the daughter's struggles, her heart, her hurts, her fears, and her hopes. It's a great resource, among others. Well, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield is a national speaker, an author, licensed professional counselor of 27 years, that might be a few more now, and founded the ABBA Project, a nine-month group forum for dads whose daughters are in their teens and 20s. She writes guest articles regularly for journals and magazines online and print, as well as her own bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blog, and she's been interviewed on numerous radio and television programs. Her best-selling book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide to Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart, was followed by her most recent field guide for men, Let's Talk. She has also written contributing chapters in Father's Say and How to Disciple Men. Well, Dr. Michelle is a radio podcast 
podcast host of the Dad Whisperer and Dad Whisperer podcast. She's available on her, uh, which rather is available on her website and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, the whole list. She also co-chairs the Father-Daughter Initiative at the National Center for Fathering with her husband, Dr. Ken Canfield. They reside in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I still have difficulty saying that because she's been around here in the Pacific Northwest for such a long time, but I am delighted to connect with her today to talk about uh, how dads can connect with their daughters as we approach Father's Day. Dr. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my goodness, Georgine. I feel like I'm right there with you. (laughs) I feel the same. And by the way, our friend Mike Lee asked me to tell you hello. Oh, love him. I call him my brother. Yes, well, he <laughs> you is. You family. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I love you guys. Well, I'm so delighted to have you here today because, unfortunately, Father's Day sort of gets the short shrift. Um, Mother's mm-hmm. Day is a big deal. There's a lot of attention paid to it. Father's Day, not so much. And I'm hoping we're moving away from a disregard for or under, underestimation of the value of fathers uh, in the in the, in the days ahead, but for now, I think it's important for us to focus on the men who step up and have a heart to father their children. And today, we're going to focus on the relationship between fathers and their daughters, which can be something of a challenge. How did you start focusing on this issue in particular? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm the oldest of four daughters, and I've been mentoring coaching, counseling women, young women, mostly teenagers and 20-somethings, since I was 19. I'm 63, so do the math, over four decades. So I guess you could say I have a bit of a finger on the pulse Mm -hmm. of all things female. And what I begin to hear out of my counseling clients and hearing a lot of times about father wounds or father voids, again, even if dad isn't intentionally trying to get it wrong or miss something, that's where I begin to hear a lot of, of angst or woundedness or even poor decision-making coming out of some of those deeper relationships with their dads. And so it was on a random December day in 09, I was reading Luke 1, where God told Zechariah that his yet-to-be-born son John would help turn the hearts, not the heads, of fathers to their children. And I just heard God say, that's what I want you to do. Mm. Started the next month just bringing dads of my counseling clients together once a month, ended up going a year, and that's really where the first book came out of. And, and I, it's one of those things of if God says to build it, they'll come and <laughs> field of dreams. And they kept coming in 10 years there in Portland. We've honed it to a nine-month group. Men kept coming, tell me how to reach my daughter's heart. Tell me what I don't know. Tell me how to decode her. One of the greatest joys of my life, Georgine, was really being in the trenches with these men because they were hungry to learn what they didn't know. You know, that's such an important point. They were hungry to learn what they didn't know. We always or we often assume that dads should just get it. They should know what to do. I mean, they're a father. There's a biological connection. They should just know what to do. It's not Mm. always neglect. Uh, It can be inadvertent that a father just doesn't know what to do, what to say, how to connect with his his daughter's heart. How common is that? Oh, my goodness. It's it's rampant. Right. And I think sometimes Maybe even unknowingly, our culture says, you know, men, you could kind of step back because you're getting it wrong. Or, and men already have a default that way. This is one of my observations from my now 13 years of traveling from my planet of Venus to Mars. I'm bilingual, Martian, <laughs> Venusian, is that I've seen that men would rather do nothing than do it wrong. So oftentimes men are smart enough to go, I'm making it worse. 
hey, she keeps reacting to me. I'm just going to back off and let mom go in. You know, she's hit adolescence and moms are coming to me going, I'm exhausted because it's too heavy for me to carry my daughter alone. And so I love helping dads see how important they are to their daughter's life, development, confidence, skill building, risk taking, resilience, and on it goes. You know, that's such an important point. Maybe we should begin with how important is a dad in the life of his daughter? I mean, providing for her, uh, making sure that all of her her physical needs are met, creating a safe environment. That may seem like this is my role as a father, but there's there's more to it. Why is the relationship of a father to um, his daughter so important to her development and her future looking forward? Well, for those dads that love research, I'm going to synthesize it for you and just give you the bullet points, which men always say get to the point already. (laughs) So here it is, men. Here's the bullet points. Overarching theme is every area of your daughter's life will be better, stronger, more locked and loaded if she feels connected to you. That's what the research, the overriding themes confirm. So the question is, is that a heart word or a head word? Feels connected heart word, right? So it goes back to scripture about the hearts of fathers have to turn for God to not strike the land with a curse, right? So I love how the research backs up what the word of God already says about how important fathers are to stopping this curse from coming against their daughters and their sons, of course, too. So dad, here's what the research says. Here's the specific ways that a daughter being connected to her dad will grow. She'll get better grades in school. She's more likely to finish high school and attend college. She will get better grades. She will have greater self-esteem, less suicide attempts. She will have less body dissatisfaction and healthier weight. She will have more social, pro-social empathy. She will have a higher likelihood of steady employment. And dads always love this one. She will delay her sexual debut. All because she feels connected to dad. What do you think of that, Georgine? Do you think that'll preach? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just incredible when you consider the significance of fathers. Now, we shouldn't be surprised. This is God's design for families, that there's both a mother and a father, and it's not a, a split where mom takes the girls and dad takes the boy. They each have a role to play in the development and the future of their offspring. So it, it shouldn't be surprising, but it certainly can be challenging. Exactly. And you and I are, are here today saying, dads, you matter. And I want you, Dad, to hear from my heart to yours. It's never too late to dial into your daughter's heart. Even if you've gotten a message that she's too old or she's married, no, let today be a day. Let this Father's Day week, let's flip it around and say, Dad, let it be a a week and a day where you say, I'm going to intentionally invest in pursuing my daughter's heart, and it's never too early to start. I sometimes have dads say, when should I start like dad-daughter dates or Start as young as you can, where it's you're, you're setting a foundation where she can know she has your undivided attention and she can talk to you about anything and everything. You know, that begs the question. It's not never too early to start. Is it ever too late to start? I think some men, um, they might have a connection with their daughter when she's young, but when she starts to mature, when she becomes more complex, it may be more difficult. And he might assume it's time for me to step back. Is it ever too late? No, and especially, Dad, when you model what humility looks like in action, 
to your daughter, it may mean that you come and you begin if there's a bit of what I call a bombed out bridge between you or there's been estrangement due to divorce or other factors. If you come and say, tell me what I could do to be a better dad to you or tell me where I missed it during formative years or some kind of question that is a stance of humility saying, I want to hear whatever you want to say. And you got to tell her two things, dad. I won't get angry and I won't get defensive. I just want to hear what you have to say. That's an excellent place to start. And that underscores that it's never too late if you come with that kind of a stance. We're talking with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. She is a national speaker, author, licensed professional, and the author of the best-selling book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, a guide to connecting with your daughter's heart. And let's talk conversation starters for dads and daughters. We need to take a quick break, but we will continue our conversation. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. My guest, Michelle Watson Canfield. She's a Ph.D., a national speaker, the author, licensed professional counselor, and the founder of the ABBA Project, and much, much more. Today, we are encouraging dads to recognize the value he has in the life of his daughter or daughters and how to uh, how to move forward to deeply connect with his daughter's heart. Uh, Dr. Michelle is the author of a couple of books, Dads, Here's What I Really Need From You, and uh, the second book, uh, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, which is such a great book. It's kind of a cheat sheet for dads to help them uh, connect with their daughter and, and get those conversations going. Uh, so it's a, a great resource. Now, let me ask you, what can a dad do when he's faced with a reluctant daughter? Maybe she um, doesn't know how to connect with him or she's been disappointed just one too many times. What do you do as a father when there is a reluctance on the part of the daughter? Well, Dad, if your daughter doesn't feel safe around you, she's not going to open up. So that's where it's so important to let your daughter know, I'm here to listen and not be defensive. I won't get angry at you, and you have to keep your promise. You might be hurt on the underbelly, but what you're saying to your daughter is, if I have caused you harm and that's made you reluctant or afraid to get close to me or to open up, I want to, as a dad, take the lead in owning my part, making amends, asking forgiveness, because I want to know you more. And that's a heart stance. I found that most teenage girls, 20-something women, when their dad comes with that kind of a softness, she melts. She Mm -hmm. wants to be known by her dad. She wants to know her dad. She doesn't want to disappoint you, and she wants to be closer. So, Dad, keep initiating. In fact, one of my friends a young life leader in California once had a whole van of senior and high school girls, and he was overhearing their conversation about their dads, and it was awful. And he had a four-year-old daughter at the time who's now married, by the way, but he said, okay, you guys are the experts. Tell me what I need to do with my daughter. What do I need to know? So when she is 17 and 18 year old, years old, she's not talking about me like you're talking mm-hmm. about your dad's. And he said, collectively, what they said is, when we push our dad away, we wish he wouldn't leave. So you may need to hear that today, Dad, that if your daughter is pushing back and making you work for it to connect with her, don't give up pursuing. You were made 
to to go against the odds and push hard and work things out. Don't just give up if she pushes you away. Write a note, send her an email, write messages on her mirrors that tell her you love her. Uh, find ways to reach her heart, send her flowers, you know, go to go to Powell's bookstore and, you know, walk around and look at books that you don't even like because she loves them. Take her to an art museum, whatever she loves. That's a way into her heart space because you're saying, I'm willing to put my time, money and energy into knowing you and enjoying you. I know some daughters might be hurt or disappointed, but what's at the heart of this resistance, this reluctance to immediately melt, if you will, when a daughter, when a father pursues her? Uh, Is there some something uh, need in the heart of uh, a daughter that needs her father to prove that I'm I'm serious about uh, forging this relationship? Absolutely. You know, I think at the end of the day, we all know that identity, so much of our identity, right, comes from mom and and dad, you know, this is all at the chromosomal level, right? But that you, dad, your her her identity is in you too, that DNA transfer, right? And oftentimes our last name is the same as our dad's. And so your daughter sees herself in your reflection. The way you look at her, the way she sees herself back in your eyes, do you put down the remote or the phone to say you're more important right now than any call, you know, for the next X amount of minutes or time? Because your daughter wants to be affirmed and grounded in her identity and her place in your life, which helps her then internalize that strength to say, I matter in the world. My dad knows I have worth and value. My dad knows I have a calling and a purpose. And really, in that way, Dad, you're building a bridge to God as her father who will be there even when you can't be. Mm. Now, in a situation where a daughter has been genuinely hurt and disappointed in in serious ways, what should a father expect when he makes that first entree toward his daughter for reconciliation and forgiveness? Um, is should he expect that that will ultimately be the the outcome or what should he expect in approaching a daughter that has been deeply offended and hurt hmm you know my friend you ask the hard curveballs don't you you're like <laughs> we are not going to stay in the shallow end of the of the pool here because you you and I are way too seasoned right to think that this isn't the reality for many fathers and daughters where dads have crossed the line perhaps sexually or morally, or verbally, right? And the damage is just too severe. And so there are some times, dads, that the consequence means there won't be a restored bridge. And I oftentimes say to those dads, get a journal, and keep it as a time capsule, write memories that you have of her prayers and wishes and dreams, because the day may come We can't guarantee it where there may be some kind of restoration. But if there's been those kinds of violations and you're asking what can a dad expect, you have to pace with her. If you in any way overpowered her, she now needs to be in the lead and know that she's that she has two things. She has choice and she has voice. Mm. So it may be years before there's restoration or any movement. But, dad, that's where you got to pray. Get on your knees, that stance of humility, pray for God to move in that relationship in miraculous ways. And then at some point, and again, in my second book, Let's Talk, I've got five sections, 
60 conversation starters, and some of them are where a dad can say, I don't know what to say, so Dr. Michelle's giving me the word. Tell me how I hurt you, when, dot, dot, dot. I want to hear without defensiveness how I hurt you when that happened. But it's all about needing to hear her hurt in order to reach her heart. How will a dad know he's making a difference once he starts initiating these conversations and spending time with his daughter? What, what should he look for? Well, one of the things, she'll probably want to spend more time with you. Number two, she'll probably open up more with you and be more vulnerable. And so that's why even in my book, the last section is lead your daughter to listen. After you've led her to lament, then I have lead her to love, lead her to, to look, lead her to laugh. But this idea where your daughter can, you can hand her the book and she can ask you questions about your life is sometimes it starts with dad being more honest about, here's some lessons I learned the hard way. Here's what I would do different if I had it to do over again. And you open up with your daughter about the realities of what you've been through while telling her the lessons you've learned. Because like I said earlier, she sees herself in you. And if you have faced odds that were really challenging, she's going to say, I can face the odds when they're really challenging. And that is what is so beautiful to see how God can use dads to instill that kind of courage and strength and resilience in their daughters. Absolutely. We're uh, going to continue our conversation in just a moment. We're talking this afternoon with a friend and a a wonderful counselor and author. Michelle Watson Canfield is a Ph.D. Uh, Her latest book, Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, to help dads kind of kick off that relationship building. She's the founder of the ABBA Project. She's a radio podcast host of the Dad Whisperer on equipping dads to engage in the battle for their daughter's heart. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm so delighted to have our guest today, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. She is the author of Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. Uh, that's her second book. And I wanted to ask you, you um, in the book Let's Talk, you offer hundreds of scripted questions uh, for a dad to ask his daughter in order to strengthen that bond. Does he need to be clever about how he approaches these questions or does he just admit, look, I'm, I'm challenged in this area. Here's some, some things I want to start our, our conversation off with or build our relationship on. How does he begin with these scripted questions? You know, I'm, I'm laughing, Georgine, because when you said if he's challenged, and I'm like, I think that's every man. Like we were saying at the beginning, dads are like, I don't speak Venusian. Like, <laughs> I am challenged. Help me, help me. You know, and then I always say to dad, if she doesn't like the question you read her that I gave you, you roll me under the bus and I'm your fall guy. So you can't do it wrong, even though you might feel sometimes like you're, you're underqualified and overwhelmed. Uh, it's all about staying the course, getting in there pursuing her heart, asking questions to get to know her. Because here's the deal, dads. We as women, a lot of times, we don't even know what we're thinking until we say it. So we figure things out by talking. So if you can ask your daughter questions that draw her out and you get to be trusted with her thoughts and her dreams and her fears, she's bonding with you while getting to know herself. So it's a win-win. So dad, when you've got all of these conversation starters, 
I encourage dads to start by just opening up the index and saying to their daughter on a date, which one of these topics for this time would you love to cover? And it could be everything from the lighthearted lead her to laugh questions where you say, tell me what item of my clothing you would love to see me get rid of (laughs) to tell me about your wedding day. Most dads have not thought to be as detailed as what colors do you want? What do you want your dress to look like? What do the flowers look like? Where do you want to go? Those kinds of questions draw her out and you get to be the sounding board instead of just mom, right? And then it moves into lead her to love herself and others. It's about where do you want to be a world changer? What are outrageous things you wish you could do? If you if money was no limit, what would you want to do to change the world and understand your love languages? Thank you, Gary Chapman, my friend, and, um, lo- you know, and personality styles and, and even dad and daughter saying, where do we clash and bonk heads because of our differences? Let's be honest about that in a non-reactive way. Then we, then we move into the third section to look. This is looking at some more complex topics that sometimes dads avoid, like sex and sexting and guys and cutting, and it may be on suicide or anxiety or depression. And even if your daughter isn't dealing with those things, there's a high likelihood she has friends who are. So by entering in, right, you just get to go deeper than you lead her to, to the last fourth section is lament. And my husband said, Michelle, I think that's the most important section of the book because out of wounds, right, we tend to make poor decisions to just kind of, you know, make the pain go down or make the pain go away. So talking about losses or hurts from you or others. And then the last one, as I said earlier, lead her to listen. You hand your daughter the book and she can ask you questions about you to get to know you better. Well, I love the idea that you don't have to, as a father, as a man, be clandestine in your effort to win your daughter's heart. You can hold the book in your hand and read the question. The important thing is you are demonstrating to your daughter that you genuinely want to know her. You genuinely want to draw nearer to her and understand so you don't have to pretend like I just came up with this, you know, overnight. <laughs> it's a great. In, in fact, yeah, saying to her, I want to I wanna know you more. So I'm using this. I think, again, it, it shows humility. I'm yes. using this script and I'm not coming at you knowing everything and knowing it all. And in fact, just today, literally, Georgine, I had a grandpa who's been writing me, got Let's Talk for his son and Oh, excuse me. It's a friend, a friend who has a, a daughter. And I think they're in the same Bible study or something. And he said the relationship had been horrible, 16-year-old daughter. But as he's been planning these dates, after like the third time she came to him and said, Dad, did you bring the book today? <laughs> he had his wife go to them because he took her out for breakfast and didn't bring the book. And just today, that same guy wrote me and said, you got to hear the latest. For Father's Day, she gave him an early card and said, Dad, we're going to do our dad-daughter date, right? We're going to – this is a 180 from where they were because she sees Dad is doing his best to connect with her. So, Dad, you don't have to be perfect. Yes. You just have to be present. 
Yeah, that's so good. And again, the book we're talking about, if you've just joined us, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. The book is published by Baker. We'll make sure you know how you can get it before our conversation ends. Well, let me ask you about um, going on a dad-daughter date. Now, that can be a bit intimidating as well. But the book has a lot of practical and creative ideas uh, on how a dad can begin and establish this pattern of spending alone time with a daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, again, I want to make it so dads can succeed and build on positive, proactive connection. So it may be at the, you know, the front end, if you haven't done this before, your daughter's younger, that you're going to just stay in the lead her to laugh section. And you can do it over and over. Like, it's ways to have fun experiences, make things more adventurous and lighthearted. But then if you want to move into what I would call the heavier, deeper topics, they're there as well. You can adapt them. Sometimes I have people say, hey, do these work for moms too? Absolutely. Do they work with moms and sons? Yes. Some of them might not exactly tie over. You know, like when I'm talking about body image, how big of an issue is that for women? Oh, my goodness, right? Right. But there's guys dealing with that, too. I've known guys that had to make weight for wrestling, and all of a sudden now they're obsessed with their body and that kind of thing. So I think more and more we're we're open to having conversations, both genders, about things because there's so much more now and so much more complexity and so much hitting these young kids that they can't even catch their breath. So to be able to go out with dad, and dad, I, I want dads to be really good at listening right? Two ears, one mouth. And and really spending more time listening to what your daughter is saying more than formulating your next question. And that's why in the book, the question's there. So you don't have to be thinking about the next question, but you get to give your presence, your undivided attention, and your TLC to your daughter while she talks. Well, that's such a wonderful resource. Um, you have a lot of resources for um, listeners, for fathers who want desperately to know and capture their daughter's hearts. We mentioned mm-hmm. a, a couple of them, the book Let's Talk, but that's your second book. Tell us a little bit about the first book and um, how that helps dads in this quest. Sure. So the first one, Dad, here's what I really need from you. A guide for connecting with your daughter's heart is basically helping you as a dad decode your daughter. In fact, I think of one of my counseling clients a few years back, married, 25 years old, never had really been that close to dad, had had an eating disorder through high school, and he agreed to come to a couple sessions with her because he just felt like he never could connect with that particular daughter. She was always really hard for him, and she didn't know how to tell him what she thought, what she needed, what she wanted, where he hurt her. She just couldn't get those words out. So they bought two copies, one for dad, one for her. So on their dad-daughter date, they begin to establish this room. I think they went to Panera. Is dad would, they would both read. Like each, in that one, each chapter is like three pages is all, like or, or three, four. And he would go, you think this? You struggle with it. Did she write, did Michelle write it in a way that fits with you? And she could say yes or no. But then he didn't have to reinvent the wheel, nor did she have to come up with the words to tell them they were right there. And I think another thing, Dad, is research shows that men tend to thrive more with shoulder-to-shoulder orientation, meaning we don't have to look at each other while we talk. Whereas women, we're like, if I can't see your eyes, I don't know you're listening to me. And so if it gets uncomfortable, if you're you know, sitting there at a restaurant across from each other, 
you can look down at the book. And you don't just have to look across the table. It can help you, you know, put your eyes somewhere else while you keep going. So that in that book, as it just helps you understand how your daughter's wired more. But at the end of the day, Georgine, I am all about giving men an action plan, not just theory. So that's why at the end of every podcast that I do, I go, here's your go step. The Dad Whisperer podcast. Here's your one thing based on this one theme today. Now go do it. You know, so it's it's dads putting into action their love for their daughters so that they can be be or become an action hero to their daughter. Mm, love it. Again, we're talking with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. She's a national speaker, author, licensed professional counselor for 27 years founder of the ABBA Project. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up the rest of the show. But I want to make sure that we uh, connect our listeners to the resources that she has available. Maybe you're a mom listening and you think, oh, my husband needs to hear this, or you're a dad, and I'd love to listen to that podcast. We want to make sure you know how to connect, um, especially as we are approaching Father's Day, when everyone's thinking more about the role of, of fathers. And I, once again, appreciate the uh, uh, the quote from Billy Graham, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And we want to elevate uh, men and to recognize the tremendous role that they uh, that they play in their families and to encourage them. And I appreciate that Dr. Michelle uh, makes her resources available in such a way that it gives you um, the greatest chance at success. So we'll continue in just a few moments and make sure we give you all the practical stuff you need to move forward. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Uh, finishing up my conversation with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, national speaker, author, licensed professional counselor, and so much more. I, I first of all, just want to thank you for doing the hard work of providing resource and learning the hearts of, of women so that you can communicate that with dads who long to know their daughters and to set them up so that they can be successful in forging a relationship that has real depth to it. So I, I so admire the work that you do and your uh, persistence and your commitment to helping men do a better job, which is, I, I would imagine, what most fathers want desperately to do. Uh, but I also want to make sure that our listeners know how can we avail ourselves of the resources that we've been ref- referencing. First of all, your two books, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, and Let's Talk. Where can our listeners connect w- uh, with those resources, especially as we anticipate Father's Day? Mm-hmm. Well, you can go to my website, drmichellewatson.com, or, you know, I've only been married now for three years, so you can go to drmichellewatsoncanfield.com, and it'll steer you to my my one that I've had for many years, drmichellewatson.com. And you can get links to the book that's on Amazon or Barnes & Noble anywhere. And you can find the books there. Or I also have uh, a Dad-Daughter Friday blog I write every other week. I've been doing that since four- 2014. So those are resources of fresh things, shorter amounts of material for dads. You can sign up for that for free. I've got free resources. I also then... Um, have all of my Dad Whisperer podcasts there, but they are on Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And really, I'm all about resourcing dads. As you can tell, that's my passion mm-hmm. is to be in the back as the Dad Whisperer. I've had men say, we don't like women shouting at us, and we don't know how you do it, but you're whispering to us to set us up to succeed. And I have one more thing to say. 
because I'm announcing it here, Georgie, just today on your show, just yesterday, last night, I officially was able to launch onto Amazon a Spanish translation of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. So now the Hispanic community of dads can step in and step up, and it's all ready for them right in in time for Father's Day. Oh, well, congratulations on the translation, first of all, and congratulations to uh, Spanish-speaking men who will have access to this information to help them draw nearer to their uh, their daughters as well. What's your greatest hope for dads who read this book and for their daughters? Oh, my goodness. It's to strengthen the bond between dads and daughters that will last a lifetime through the highs and lows Because when a daughter knows that her dad is cheering her on, at the end of the day, dad, I truly believe, based on biblical truth, that you are steering your daughter toward God as her father. And when you're not there and she knows that she has a father in heaven who provides and protects and loves her unconditionally, that daughter will stand out among her peers because that confidence and love will be deeply settled into her heart and her life. That's such a, a beautiful picture of what God intends in the relationship between a father and his daughters. Um, you are invested in seeing dads become leaders in their relationship with their daughters. Uh, can you give us the five ways you encourage dads to lead? Yes. So dad, number one, on one, I'm going to give two sets of five. Mm-hmm. One would be dad, you know, from the book, lead her to laugh, lead her to love, lead her to look lead her to lament and lead her to listen. But my second list of five is from one verse, Luke 15, verse 20, that's tucked right in the middle of all the red letter uh, scripture that we read there, which means it's Jesus' words about the prodigal son where he's saying, I want you to know what my dad is like. I'm telling you about my dad. And when we read what the father does in that one verse, This is your fathering action plan if you want to build a bridge to God as a father for your daughter. One, you're standing there looking. You can see into her life. You know what triggers her or causes her pain or her dreams and her fears, but you see her, uniquely her. Number two, you're filled with compassion. And dad, that's often a skill set that you have to grow, muscles you have to grow to have more compassion when you're thinking, oh my goodness, why is she making that, you know, that mountain out of a molehill? But you're saying compassion means I'm looking through her eyes because that's what God as a father does. Number three, that father, which is you building a bridge to God as a father, you pursue, you run toward. Number four, you wrap and embrace your arms around your daughter, and number five, kiss her. And I I think some dads might go, ah, my daughter doesn't like physical touch. Well, kiss the top of her head. Kiss her hand. Do whatever to show her what safe touch, healthy touch looks like. And there are other five-fold lists, men. Men love lists. That's what they tell me. (laughs) um, Of how to build a bridge to God as a father. Well, again, I'm so grateful for the resources that you have provided for dads all around the world and uh, commend you once again for the Spanish version of your latest book, Let's Talk. 
And I hope our listeners will avail themselves of these great resources. I'll make sure that information is on our website, kpdq.com, or the Georgine Rice Show Facebook page. Dr. Michelle, it was almost like having you back home. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You are my sister, my heart friend, and it's been a joy to talk with you and be here today with you, Georgine. Thank you so much. And tell that husband of yours we said hello. I will. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, Dr. Michelle. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're out of time. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Dave King for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.